Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. Because I'm unconditionally loved by God and that harvest, I come to God as I am. But through today's life-giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain standing. We've been looking at the scriptures, our theme scripture for this series. We're going to start here. And then we're going to a whole nother place. 2 Corinthians 3, 2. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church. We're in a new series. This is my story. Somebody say, I have a story. And folk only knew the stuff you've been through. See, that's why they don't understand why you clap like you clap, why you shout like you shout, why you dance like you dance. Because they don't understand your story has made you that way. It ain't the good days that made you spiritual. It's the hell you've been through that makes you spiritual. 2 Corinthians 3, 2, you are our epistle, our letter, that means our story, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Say, I have a story that will be an example to somebody else. Father, customize, tailor, make this word for us, your people, over these next few moments as we now go through the unique tapestry that is your word. And in today's story, we're going to look at the children of Israel, but we're going to see ourselves in them. And when we see ourselves in them, help us not to be like them, but to be greater than them. Today, I declare, is a day of evolution, even in this place. To go from the inferior to the superior. And whatever area we've been lacking, today I declare that's over. And whatever area we've been unfocused, I declare that's over. And whatever area we have been just going with the motions and just going through the flow, I declare that's over. It is evolution time in this place today. And we thank you that it is so in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're in week three in the fifth message of a series called This Is My Story, which asks the question, church, what's yours? Somebody say, what's your story? That question is designed to make us see where our story has been so we can evolve where it is going. Truth be told, God is using the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life as a story to someone else as an example of what to do and what not to do. In fact, the majority of the Bible is God teaching us lessons through the stories of others. And in today's message, I want us to extract one very powerful life-giving lesson from the children of Israel. Somebody say, there's a powerful lesson here. Yeah, talk to me like an army. Say, there's a powerful lesson here. Uh, say, the children of Israel. Now, generally, that term, uh, children of Israel and Hebrews and even Israelites, refer to the same group of people. Uh, here's who they are. In Genesis chapter 32, a man named Jacob, whose name is later changed to Israel, he's the son of Isaac, he's the son of Abraham, and God makes Abraham a promise. A promise in the scripture, when God makes it, was called a covenant. And it's the same covenant we're part of in Genesis chapter 12. That covenant says that I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you, and I will make you your name great and through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I need you to hear me. Uh, God says I made a promise with Abraham that has now come down and hit your bloodline and the reason you had to be born is because nobody else in your bloodline was willing to walk in that promise. Everybody else in your bloodline backed up, gave up, put up and shut up but you, you are the curse breaker in your bloodline. He told Abraham I'm going to bless you which means if he's going to bless Abraham he's going to bless Isaac. If he's going to bless Isaac he He's going to bless Jacob. Jacob now becomes Israel. Now check this out. Check this out. God is into evolving things generationally. Which means God is into things getting better generationally. And that's why I often remind you that you are the curse breaker in your bloodline. Because Israel had to deal with some curses that Abraham introduced and other curses that he never interrupted. And that's what's happening in your life now. You're having to break some mess that's left from some generations before you. This is why some of the issues you face, you're like, why is it so tough? It's because you've only been here 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, but that curse has been around for two, three, four hundred years. But it don't matter how long it's been here, because when you were born, the interruption to that dysfunction was born. Snap your neighbor, high five, say, I'm a curse breaker. So, so, Abraham has Isaac, Isaac has Jacob, Jacob's name is later changed to Israel. Now, Israel also, watch this, because I got to take a turn here, also refers to a region in the world that's part of North Africa. Meaning that Israelites or Hebrews were actually Africans, so society makes so much sense when you know that. What, what are you trying to say, Bishop? What we call Israel is part of North Africa, which means that tells us something about the Israelites. Which explains culture. We wonder why in culture you got so many issues with racism and this and that and killing innocent African American men. Baby, they've been doing that for thousands of years because if you study your Bible, you'll understand. Okay. That Israel is North Africa. And why are you going there, Bishop? Just because you need to know that. I'll go deeper to 11:15, but let me say it again so you get it. Israel is part of North Africa until it was changed so that it became Eurocentric. And what I love about our church is we're multicultural, so everybody just needs to get in with the truth. So then that teaches us something about the Hebrews. 
and teaches us something about the Israelites that teaches us that they were Africans. So when you understand this very basic premise, you understand why there are so many issues in culture as it relates to Africanized people. Why there's so much oppression. Why is there such hatred? Why is it that certain things can be done blatantly uh, uh, in front of cameras and across microphones and and we say, well, what in the world is going on? Well, it, it's, it, it's, it's because if you study the book. Mm, it sure is quiet. Touch your neighbors. He's going deeper at 1115. The term Middle East didn't exist until post-World War II. Middle East is not a continent. And somebody like, what's the point, Bishop? Well, then society makes so much sense when you understand that. But what you better understand is he says, I'm going to bless those that bless you. And I'll curse. I don't care what house they occupy. I'll curse them that curse you. I'll leave that alone. I'll go deeper to 11.15. Israel has 12 sons that form the 12 tribes of Israel by four different women. So they're a blended family. So stop thinking your blended family is so unique. Okay, touch the neighbor and say, yours is not that unique. If you don't have a blended family, well, but you know somebody that does. Now, now here, here's what we got to do. To make a several hundred year story short, because of a famine, the children of Israel go down to Egypt, and Joseph, who was betrayed and sold into slavery by his brother, bec brothers, becomes the prime minister of Egypt, and he takes care of them. And they grow from over 70 people into over 600,000 plus plus, 600,000 men of fighting age plus women plus children, until an invading nation came in. And enslaves them for 430 years until God raises up a man of God named Moses, Moshe in Hebrew, which means to draw out, who at age 80 delivers the people. Now that's good news there because for somebody who says, Bishop, it's too late. It ain't too late for your story to become significant. Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the desert and it looked like his story was insignificant. And then when he was 80, looking like it was too old and it was too late, God pops up on the scene and says, now's the time. I'm going to tell somebody you are not behind schedule. In fact, you're right on time. Would you just look at somebody next to you and say, I'm right on time. Check this out. Uh, they come out of Egypt overnight. What's this? Uh, but they kept yearning to return back to Egypt. Now, here's what I need you to understand this. God delivers the people through Moses' hand after ten plagues forced Pharaoh's hand. Here's a side note, though. The Bible says that it was God that hardened Pharaoh's heart. So really, God wanted to see how they'd act when it looked like they weren't going to get what they wanted. But see, that's a powerful principle. Some of what you're dealing with now is God just looking at how you're going to act if you think he says No. How are you going to act if you think he ain't going to give you the breakthrough? How are you going to act if you think he's not going to give you the job? How are you going to act? They come out of Egypt overnight. Somebody said overnight. overnight. 
430 years, all they knew was slavery, and overnight, they come out. And the scripture says they plunder the Egyptians. They take everything the Egyptians has, their silver, their gold. They take everything. Pharaoh says, get out of here. Get out of here with haste. Get out of here quickly because I cannot take your presence any longer. And they come out of Egypt overnight, but they kept yearning to return back. Because you can be out of a circumstance, but that circumstance still be in you. You can be out of an Egypt, but that Egypt still be in you. Watch this. They never fully possessed the land God wanted them to have called the promised land. And God wanted it for them because it represented a lifestyle for them. See, for you and I, there is no piece of land we're after. Uh, it is instead a lifestyle. That's why Jesus never promised us heaven, a place to live. No, that's never what the Bible says. He promises us the kingdom of heaven, which is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle of shalom is the Hebrew word. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. All is well. See, that's the promised land for you and I. It's the promised life, and that life has a name, and it's called shalom. But here's what I didn't understand. How after 430 years of begging to be free, do they get free and then want to go back to what they prayed to get out of? In Psalm 78, here it is, we're about to get to the juice. One of the chief musicians, his name is Asaph, he tells the story, and the scandal in the story of the children of Israel begins to be revealed. Now, there are so many verses in Psalm 78, I don't have time to go through all of it, but I want to start at Psalm 78 and 8, and we're going to jump around because I want you to see the scandal in their story, because then you're going to begin to see the scandal in your story begin to unfold. You you still with me, church? Psalm 78, 8. And may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. Stubborn means you got to keep telling you the same thing over again because you don't listen. Rebellion means don't do that. I'm doing it anyhow. Rebellion means stand over there. I'm standing over there. Got it? A generation that did not set its heart aright, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So, so, so look at me. He said, here's their problem. Their problem was that their heart wasn't set properly. Heart in scripture is the word lev in in the Old Testament, the word cardi in the New Testament. It means mind. He says they didn't have their mind right and their spirit. That's your subconscious mind. That's the you that you are without trying to be that you. He says they weren't faithful. Verse 10. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law. I mean, I'm going to do it my way. I have my own truth. I got my own way of life. This is me. Verse 11. And they forgot his works. And his wonders that he had shown them. Look, look at me. Look at me, 915. God says, I've been very good to you. But you keep forgetting that. So you have the audacity to complain about your life. Forgetting everything I've done. For. How in the world do you think you made it? Through that depression. Through that discouragement. Through that car accident. Through that bankruptcy. I've been very good to you. But I have to keep reminding you. You, you ever been real good to somebody? And, and one thing happened, and all of a sudden, they forgot all how good you've been to them. Nobody ever had that happen. And you're the one where we had that happen with. Verse 17, but they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. Which means when things got tough, that's when they acted craziest. Do not make decisions about the character of people after knowing them for one month. 
make decisions about the character of people after evaluating them for several months. Why? I need to see them during a wilderness time because I don't know the real you until I see you in the wilderness. I don't know the real you until we have a disagreement. I don't know the real you until you're stressed out and tired. Other than that, you're nothing more than an actor. He says, in the wilderness, they acted crazy with me. You think that's when they'd act the best because they want to get out. But when they were in the wilderness, that's when they acted the worst. I'm going somewhere. Verse 32. In spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous works. Therefore, verse 33, their days he consumed in futility and their years in fear. You know what futility is? A treadmill. While I work out, I do not get on a treadmill. You know why? I have a fundamental problem with treadmills. Say, what's that, Bishop? I'm working hard, but ain't going nowhere. I have a fundamental problem with that piece of uh, workout equipment. God says that's what the children of Israel did. They were very busy, but unproductive. They spent a lot of time doing stuff, but they never got anywhere. Then he says, then they consumed their years in futility and in fear, meaning they were always stressed, always worried, Always consumed with fear. What's going to happen with this? 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 Ooh, I'm so scared of this. Ooh, what about the economy? Ooh, what about this? Ooh, what about this? And God says, and God says, you don't even understand. That's proof of my absence. Look at verse 34. Touch the name and say, it's going to get real. Finna is an urban colloquialism, which means it's about to go down. Verse 34. When he slew them. They sought him. You missed it. Like, where's that bishop? Right there. They did not seek him until they were suffering. They would not hear him until they were hurting. They would not believe him until they were beaten down. And they returned and sought earnestly for God. But here's what's interesting. They only did it because of the pain they were feeling, not because they wanted to. Here it is. We're about to get to their story in a moment. I I don't know about you, but have you ever had somebody to do something and you clearly saw that they did it because they had to, not because they wanted to? And it reflects on how they did it. They have did it because they didn't really want to do it. They were just doing it because they didn't want to hear your mouth. And the truth of the matter is that means they were never really with you in the first place. Okay. Touch your neighbor, say it's about to get scandalous. Verse 35. Then they remembered. How you keep forgetting? You ain't that busy. Churches today, what? (laughs) Then they remembered that God was their rock and the most high God, their redeemer. Watch verse 36. They flattered him with their mouth. And they lied to him with their tongue. I love you, Jesus. You don't love him. You won't even be timely. You don't love him. You... Okay. I want you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You're so good to me, Jesus. Oh, God, you're incredible. God, you're amazing. And look at what Asaph said. They lying. Oh, it's about to get real. Verse 37, because their heart wasn't with him. Steadfast, loyal, consistent. Some folks' hearts are more loyal than Netflix. 
Your heart's got more loyalty to Hulu. I didn't say it right. Hulu. Verse 37. Watch this. He says, their heart was not steadfast or loyal with them. Say their heart wasn't with him. Nor were they faithful in his covenant. What covenant? The promises that he made. You still here, church? Look at verse 38. But he being full of compassion, he forgave their iniquity. That's generational sin. Iniquity is passed down stuff. And he did not destroy them. Watch this. I like how Asaph says it. I got the ministry through music, so I like Asaph. Because Asaph is just laying lines that are really good. He's like, a many a time he turned his anger away. And did not stir up all his wrath. But watch this. In case you don't know, that's a good place for us to praise him. Yeah. You missed it. If you read the whole chapter, God, Asaph be like, he did all this for him. Then they did this. He did all this for him. Then they did this. He did all this. Then they did this for him. And in verse 38, but he being full of compassion, he forgave their iniquity. He didn't destroy them. Say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. for not destroying me. Because some of my actions deserved it. I'm going to give you 15 seconds to put a praise on that right there. Because you ain't been all right all your life. It's been some stuff that should have took you out. But some accidents should have killed you. You should have died when you were strung out on drugs. That car accident should have killed you. But God! But God! But! Watch this. Be seated. Verse 39. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a breath that passes away and does not come again. Verse 40, watch this. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Verse 41, watch this. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Check it out. God says, the only limit in your life is your unfaithfulness to God. He said... I got all this power, but I can't do it because their actions will not allow me to bless it. I got all of this power to take them from the tail and make them the head, to take them from the bottom and make them the top. I've got the power to do in a moment what they can't do in a lifetime, but they limit me because of their unfaithfulness to me. You're complaining about your life and God says, why don't you get some act right? Stephen, who was one of the deacons in the book of Acts, tells a similar account, but he throws in a line that becomes the convergence of their, because I know you're like, oh, God, who are we? I can't believe them children of Israel. Oh, really? Oh, they're so bad, right? They're crazy, huh? I know it, I know it, I know it. You can't believe how they would act that way with God. I mean, manna from heaven, angel food. I mean, he, he hit the rock. That's what it is, angel food. He hit the rock. The rock cracks open water. I mean, it's the original Aquafina. I mean, it's better than Aquafina. It is, uh, what's the, uh, Fuji. Fiji, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> it's all from that tap right out there. Okay, no, just, but, no, that's supposed to be real, they say. So check, check this out, church. Check this out. Check this out. God says, I did all that. God says, for 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out. Your shoes didn't wear out. Some of y'all, you have on a pair of shoes for two weeks. Ooh, I got to throw them away, child. I got to go, got to, go to the store. Watch this. 
Here's the convergence, the coming together of their story and our story. Acts 7.38. This is Stephen, a deacon, speaking in the book of Acts. And I want you to see this. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness. You know what the word congregation means right there? Church. So that means everything we look at about the Israelites or the Hebrews is talking about the church. Well, who's the church? We are. So who's the story about us? So he's saying this is how the church acts. Are you still here? I asked myself what actually precipitated this message is I was saying, Lord, why is it I have certain difficulties with certain peoples? I said, why is it I have to keep repeating myself and going the same thing? I said, what, what, what is the problem? He said, son, you really want to know? I said, actually, Lord, it was rhetorical. He said, it's difficult for people to do anything when they don't really love. I said, what are you trying to say? He says, son, maybe the issue is that those who you think love you just really don't love you. And he said, but don't take it personal. They don't love me either. I said, whoa. I said, Lord, what's the real problem? Why didn't they get it? He wasn't looking for their perfection, but he was looking for their persistence without having to be provoked. You want to know why they had all these issues? I got to drop a bomb on us this morning, 9.15. But it's a truth bomb that's going to set you free. It's because they never really loved God. They loved what he did for them, but they never loved him. They liked him a lot. But they never really loved him. And the truth is, that's where most Christians are. You like him a lot, but you do not love him. Oh, I know it's real on a Sunday morning. I know you're like, no, I do love him. Well, let's just ask him questions then. Preguntas in Espanol. Because how many times have you walked around the same circles, the same cycles? And he has to give mercy. And listen, we all need mercy. Without mercy, it's a wrap. But aren't you tired of walking around the same circles and going through the same, who am I preaching to? The same struggles, the same issues, the same drama, the same problems. If you're tired of it, just throw your hand up and holler, that's me. See, here's the first problem. Here's the first problem. See, they liked him a lot. They didn't love him. How do we know? Asaph told us. He said, their heart's not with me. He said, they're disloyal to me. They only love me when I slay them. They only respect me when they're in ridiculous circumstances. They only pray when they're under pressure. They only give when they're trying to get. And they wouldn't tolerate that from somebody in their life, but why do they want me to tolerate that from them? I know it is. You know the first problem of why, of why sometimes we say we love them, but we don't? We really like him. But today you're going to shift into love. Oh, I said, we're going to shift into love. Yeah, I got this tight right here because we're going to rewrite your story. You're about to shift into some love. You know why? Here's the first reason. Because we're transactional with God, not relational with God. We're transactional. Here's transaction. Think about it this way. Uh, a transaction means I'm here to do my transaction and then I'm done. And you know the problem? In our culture, in American culture, that is how we deal with fathers. 
It's transactional. I need some money. I need this. I need that. I need this. I need that. So culture makes you think God is that way. Second, I know it is. Second Corinthians 6, 18. Watch what God, watch what, watch what the scripture says. It says, I will be a father to you, put it up, and you will be my sons and daughters, says who? The Lord Almighty. Well, we got a problem there because in American culture, the statistics tell us that over 70% of homes are fatherless across all races and ethnicities. So we got a problem now. Because God is in the image of something you ain't seen. He is not a woman personified. He is a man personified. Well, now we got another problem. Because our culture, cultural's idea of manhood is very, very different than the Bible's idea of manhood. See, culture's idea of manhood is transactional. The Bible's idea of manhood is relational. Why does he tell you who, who Jacob's son is? He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, because I want you to know I'm dealing generationally. Stay, stay with me, church. Stay with me. They mismanaged their relationship with God because they miscategorized it. So they never loved God. They liked him a lot, but they loved what he did for them. He was Savior, not Lord. He was donor, not daddy. Do you actually love him? And for most, the real answer is no, but it's because it's so rare in American culture to interact with fathers relationally instead of transactionally. That's why it is so easy for you to walk away because when a transaction's over, you leave. I go to the bank, I do a transaction, I leave. I don't stay there, I don't talk, I don't want to know how your kids do, I don't want to know all that. I want you to give me my money, then I want to leave. And that's how too many Christians are with God. I need a blessing. Bye. I need you to get me out of this mess. Bye. I need some child support. Bye. Need some new shoes. Bye. And God says, I'm not transactional. I'm relational. And relationship means that we're in this. Period. Okay, it's quiet in here. We're in this. Period. Not, well, if such and such happened. But that's not, that's not American culture. American culture isn't that way. American culture is you got a whole bunch of people that are mad as heaven, hell, and earth. I planned on using far more tongues of men, but I'll do it at 11.15. I got five Sundays this month. Um, our culture is full of people that are mad and angry. Mad and angry. And the only type of manhood that respected is a manhood that shouldn't be respected. You're not a man because you grab things on women. You, 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 you're, not, you're not a man because of how many women you can get. In fact, that proves you're very insecure. Evidently, you're trying to prove something to yourself you ain't too sure about. So, so, but check this out. So then what does that create? bunch of domineering women. I got to be strong, Bishop. All my life I had to fight, Bishop. 
So then when manhood shows up, she won't back down because she doesn't know how to back down because she's never had to back down because she's always had to be strong. And so while she's trying to be a blessing, she's now becoming the curse because she's getting in the father's way. And the father says, I need to show my children. He's my kids, God says. But we're so transactional with him. I need something from you, God. Do something for me. God says, like Janet Jackson, see, part of being fathers and sons means that the father's job is to protect the son, but the son's job is to protect the father. The father's job is to lead the son, but the son's job is to ensure that he's following the leadership of the son. This is the reason why, can I teach you like I'm on to? This is the reason why in the book of Proverbs, Solomon, he said, son, the wisdom I give you will be your mother. He said, I'm your father, but what I teach you will nurture you, which means at some point you need to come up off your mama's breast, son, and you need to take what I'm teaching you and use that as the leadership for your life. But we're so used to being transactional with God. God, I need something. I need a miracle, Jesus. He's like, but the problem is you only want to talk to me you need something from me. And you don't like people like that. Listen, what does it mean relational? It just means every day, all day. Think about it. The people you're in a relationship with, think about it. You text them all day. They ain't even talking about nothing. You got to do an eye exam to know what they're talking about. W-Y-D, I-J-S, O-T-W, R-O-T-F-L. Like, what? The smallest line you can see. You communicate all day. You think about them. You think about how you can make their life better. When you're in relationship. When you're not in relationship, it's when I see you, I think about you. Hey, Jesus, Sunday morning. Prayer hands. But he says, I'm your daddy, which means we're supposed to be having a relationship every day, all day, throughout the day. Touch your neighbor and say, he is your daddy. I got to move because I'm out of time. Here's the second reason why we sometimes like him a lot and don't love him. First transactional versus relational. Here's the second reason. It's because our heart's far from him. Isaiah 29, 13. Oh, I said, it's about to get super real. I, know, I noticed how quiet y'all got, and I expected that. I came in my own shouting section. Isaiah 29, 13. Therefore, the Lord said, I was like, who would want this job called God? Like, who wants this gig? Therefore, the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but have, watch this, the next verse, removed their hearts far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Here's what God says. They only honor me and reverence me because they're taught to, not because their love for me compels them to. So many of the issues and behavioral issues we have with people are really because of heart issues. You don't have to tell someone that loves you, please don't cheat on me. Let me just help you understand something. That's the end right there. You two, the only one don't know. 
don't cuss me out no more. Bye. He praying. For what? It's quiet in here. It's, it's quiet in here. I'm all in the Kool-Aid apparently. What's the flavor? Thank you for getting that right. If it's your first time, you're like, what are they talking about? Red's not a flavor. That's the joke. There it is. Hey, listen, folks, I'll be out every night at 7 o'clock this week. Come, come see me. Bring your friends. Think about it. When your heart is someone with someone, they don't have to repeat the same thing because love desires to please. And if that's what you really want, check this out. If that's what you want, then that's what I want to give you. Unless my heart really isn't with you except through my mouth. When your heart is really with something, you don't have to go over the same things over and over and over and over again. The reason we got to keep going over it is because your heart's not there. I just fixed 99% of your relationship problems. Like why are they doing this? Because their heart's with somebody else. Their heart is stuck in another relationship. Their heart is stuck in the past. Their heart is stuck in pain. But today... I declare that today, wherever your heart has been, it's going to be restored to you just like the psalmist said. Restore my soul, my mind, my will, my thoughts, my emotions. Somebody holler, Lord, restore my soul. When your heart's far from someone or something, you have to repeatedly go over the same things. It's hard just not to get it. When your heart's over here, it's going to be super difficult to understand what's going on over here. Heart, mind. For the children of Israel, he said, their minds are not with me. Their minds are on everything else but me. They got their mind on their money and their money on their mind. They care more about bay than they do about May. That's on my next album coming out. Think about it though. You'll go out of your way to impress a woman, to impress a man who may or may not even care nothing about you. And Jesus, you just kind of roll out the bed. Oh Lord, take me as I am. You didn't want them to take you as you are. You got dressed up and looked nice for them. You put on, okay, y'all ain't gonna say that to me. You gussied up for them. And you're gonna come to the Lord, just take me as I am. Man, please. I know this is real because this counters American Christianity. Because American Christianity says if you just think good thoughts and you just smile and Jesus is going to make everything better. That ain't the book. When your heart's with him, I want to do whatever it takes to please him. And when I mess up because we're in relationship, I ain't walking away. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? When, when I fail, I ain't walking. I ain't missing church. I ain't going to not pray. Why? I'm in relationship. This ain't no transaction. I messed up and he knew I'd mess up. That's why 2,000 years ago he died. Why did he die? Because he knew I'd mess up and I need another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. Let me tell you who's uncomfortable with this message right now. Somebody whose heart is so far from God, their pride makes them think that it's not. 
Because if you really loved him like you say you did, you'd be like, oh, my God, Lord, I can't wait until Bishop is done preaching because I'm going to reaffirm my commitment to you. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to reaffirm my stance to you. I messed up, but thank God I got another chance. You're only offended now if your ego has been checked. Good. I ain't never scared. Because his word checked me. He said, he said, son, he said, I only evaluate some stuff. Folks be talking about they love me all the time. He said, but if they really love me, their heart would be with me. Which means, watch this, the Bible says a father that loves his children, you know what he does? He corrects them. He chastises them. Which means, watch this, watch this, rather than saying, Lord, it's so painful. Thank you, Jesus. Why? That's proof he loves me. That's proof he hasn't given up on me. As a matter of fact, here's somebody at this 915. You're going through some checking and some chastising now. And that's good news. Why? Because it's proof he loves you. It's proof you're his son. It's proof you're his daughter. Here's the third thing. No, here's the third thing. No. Here's how I know that we oftentimes just love what he can do for us, like him a lot, and we love him. First is transactional versus relational. What was the second one? Heart is far from him. Here's the third one. We don't do what he says. I know American Christianity says, it's your thing. Do what you want to do. That's not the Bible. But what job says, come on in. Just do what you want to do. Why, you've built nothing. But come on in and tell us how to do it. I said it. And think about it. What job does that? What company do you welcome? It's Monday. Do it all your way. We have procedures. We have protocols. We have instructions. Don't follow none of that. Do it your way. We want to hear your truth. How do you feel about it? You don't like the system? Change it. Anybody work for something like that? No. Here's John 14, 15. Watch what Jesus says. It's quiet in the church. I know y'all wanted to shout. I'll shout you in a minute. I just need you to actually be in love with who you're shouting about. Because for the last day, have you shouted to a God you ain't really loved? According to how he defines it. I just love on my own terms. You can't do that. That's why everybody's got different love languages. You be like, bitch, I, I buy roses all the time. Well, she doesn't give the service. Ain't her love language. She just wanted you to say, hey, you could have saved yourself $400 if you found out her love language. You send this stuff she don't even want. <laughs> John 14, 15. Watch this here. If you agape me, do what I said do when I said to do it how I said to do it. Watch this for my people from the South because I said so. In the South, if you ever got discipline, they have all kind of rules. And you learn to obey the rules because they said so. Why can't you sit in there in the couch with the plastic on it? Because I said so. Well, if there's plastic on the couch, ain't that protecting the couch if I sit on it? 
sit on that couch again. Can I get at least two witnesses to know about the couch with the plastic on it? You grew up in the South, there was the living room. You had the, had the family room, where that's where everybody was. Then you had the living room, and that normally had a cream-colored or light-colored furniture that had plastic covering on it. And in that same room was a big, big, big white Bible with praying hands on the front. That, that Bible about that thick. And they opened it up to the scripture. The wages of sin is death. And so they just wanted you to know, act right. And that Bible was on that coffee table in that room with that couch with that plastic on it. It's 99% of homes in this house. And this is in Denver too. Now, check this out. They never did what he said without the threat of punishment. If you don't do this, I'm leaving you. Secret. They already gone. They never did what God said to do except for the threat of punishment. When, they, when he slew them, what did Asaph say? That's when they sought him. What? So I got to get beat to listen? I wasn't that type of child. Anybody else like me? I was not that type of child. Here I was. Let's talk about this. It only took one good time for my mother to make sure that I knew the Lord. One good time. Regular, regular discipline didn't work with me. And she came up with a very specialized formula. She did it once. Never had a problem after that. Never. Never. I'm reminded today. That's why I still be cracking my neck. I'm reminded today. The Lord, I'm like Jacob. Got a thing in his hip. I'm reminded today. <laughs> Here's the point. Follow the principle through. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Here's, here's, here's the $50 million question. Mm. Whose commandments are you keeping? Whose word are you following? Because that's who you love most. You let your unsaved sister run your house. You love her more than God. I'm saying it. Whose word do you follow? Because that's who you love the most. Some folks are so deeply, passionately in love with self. Because they will talk up something in their head and then create a false reality in their head and then believe it. God is like, you really, really are in love with yourself, you narcissistic, sociopathic person. Rewrite, you narcissistic, sociopathic person. You narcissistic, sociopathic person. You narcissistic, sociopathic person. Today. Think about it. Jesus said, if you love me, you do what I say. Which means whoever's voice you're following, that's who you love the most. So for some of you, you are in love with the voice of that you call torture from your childhood. Because you still follow the words that said, you're not good enough. 
you're not strong enough, you're going to be just like this, you're going to be just like that, you're going to be just like that. And while you sit here and say, well, I'm the curse breaker, I'm the curse breaker, no, you're still listening to her voice. You're still listening to his voice. You keep their commandments. That's who you love. Whoever commandments you keep, that's who you love. Whosoever word, commandments, word. I know you hear commandments, you like the Ten Commandments. No, whosoever word you keep, that's who you love most. Some people love Excel energy more than Jesus Christ. Because Excel says you better be here by five. You, oh, I got to get off work. But then we're having a conference. Ooh, child, I can't get off. <laughs> Say amen to that. So, we're like, Bishop, where do we go from here? Like, how are you going to end this message? Like, are we going in the best days of my life now? Where are we going with this? No, here's what we're going to do. First thing we're going to do. How many of you, you discovered, let me just be honest, but I was even prepping this. I just had to walk away from the computer at one point and said, whoo. I said, but, 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 I said, but, 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 but here's the deal. Here's repentance. It means I change direction. How many of us, if we're honest, we heard something today that challenged what we said was love for God? Yeah, that should be everybody. If it is not, I prophesy you'll find out by the end of the month. <laughs> Write that prophecy down. He's not a weekend fix. We don't get dropped off over dad's house for the weekend and go eat Chinese food. says, I want relationship with you. Why are you talking to everybody else more than you talk to me? You sitting up going to work complaining about your stuff to people with no problem, to, no power to fix any of your problems. And then you spend two minutes praying at night. And you don't even put any effort in it. You get out the shower, oh, I'm fresh and clean, I'm all good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then you get in the bed, Father, thank you for this day. I command the day, it's going to be the best day of my life, Jesus, amen. He's like, really? That's all I get? So I kept you all these days, all these years. You spent four hours on the phone with Rachel. <laughs> talking about nothing. You give me two half minutes? Lord, just touch everybody. In Jesus' name, Lord, I just, I just, ooh, yes, Lord, it's evolution time. I received, hey, 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 go over here. The guy's like, really? All of that? What did you do? It wasn't even cold in the house. Why are you bucking like that? I know by now we should be on fifth gear and you should be shouting and tearing up, you know, throwing your chairs and hallelujah, preach it, bishop. Not today, though, because today you're going to love the God you say you love. Today you're going to love him like you've never loved him before. Today you're going to come out of strong light and shift into love. Because I will raise up a church and we will be a church that doesn't just talk loving God, but that really loves God. If that's you, holler, Lord, I choose to love you. So everybody, everybody, here's what we're going to do. First thing we got to do is repent, y'all. Here's repent, change our minds. Many of us have been lying for years. You didn't love him. You liked him a whole lot. You know why he asked Peter? He said, Peter, do you love me? He asked him three times. 
after he resurrected and came back. He said, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. <laughs> Jesus is like, mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? The Bible says Peter got a little attitude. You know I love you. So you only get an attitude when you're wrong. Anybody that ever gets an attitude with you, it's proof that they're wrong. It's proof that they've been lying on you, proof they didn't betray you. Proof. The only reason they get an attitude is because something's wrong, something's off. And then he, he, he asked him a third time, he said, Peter, do you love me? And in one of the Greek translations, it suggests that he says, Lord, I like you a whole lot. Because he said, my actions haven't been shown yet. So here's what we're going to do, church. I want everybody right there. You, you can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, you can lay prostrate on the floor. So we all know what that means, prostrate, lay flat on the floor. Whatever you need to do, because today, someone say today, I refuse to lead a people who are just like every other church. We talk love, but we don't love them. You're trying to love everybody else. You don't even love God. You need 10 steps to marriage, 10 steps to this, 10 steps to that. How much you love God? When you love God, it'll fix how you love people. It'll fix how you love yourself. So right where you're at, heads bowed, eyes closed, I want you to put your hands on yourself. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, Father, today we repent of being like the children of Israel, the church in the wilderness, treating you transactionally, not having our heart with you, and not doing what you say. You don't ask for perfection. You do ask for faithfulness. You do ask for persistence. So today, I repent. It means I change directions. I change my mind. Forgive me for saying I love you. But not showing that I love you. From this day forward, the words of my mouth will match the actions of my hands. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R 10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. Hey.